Sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes. Yeah. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Just Effing Cinder podcast. You got me, your host, as always, yours truly, David Baker. And tonight's guests are two overdue guests for this show. Phil Vallejo and the great Kaylin Wojcik. Guys, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good, man. How are you? Thanks, Lovely. Thanks for having us on, David. It's, yeah. It's, what, are uh, it's, what are y'all drinking? What are y'all drinking? What are y'all drinking? Box wine. <laughs> Box, <laughs> man, you cheap bitches. Stellar up in here. <laughs> y'all gonna get white girl drunk up in there. That's some North Carolina <laughs> shit. No, man. Like, we... I had to convince Philip that White Claws were not allowed in the fridge here. It's just not okay. No law with White Claw. But, no. look, honestly, they're disgusting. There's no if, ands, buts about it. <laughs> Motherfuckers are disgusting. And I'm pulling your man card a little bit, Phil, for, for some White Claw <laughs> shit. But I still love you anyway. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna bring me on your podcast and then insult me in the first <laughs> three minutes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Phil, right behind this computer over there in a box are a couple of nice trophies that I'm gonna end up displaying here in my reloading room. So uh, what are the, uh, those are the guardian trophies that I uh, I left there after shooting the guardian match. Oh he was my host. Oh yeah. awesome host. And but, so what's uh, up, man? Chilling, dude. Like I said, this has been uh, it's been long overdue to get you guys on. I I just want to say, guys, I've got to be your biggest fan of the podcast. Outside of knowing y'all, just the you know, content is great. The guests are great. Uh, the dynamic between the two of y'all is is great, and uh, I, I guess the uh, the downloads are. Uh, proof of that you guys are killing it everyone knows the modern day sniper so and uh y'all are doing such an awesome job and i and i appreciate the content y'all you guys put out thanks man thanks man it means a lot it does it really does and that's something that you know we're i'm at least i'm like super conscious of that because you know we we just threw something out there and said you know what like fuck it we're just gonna go for it and uh just stepped off on the right foot. And, and honestly, like we were talking before the show, um, you know, my wife Cass and her ability to, to manage the tech piece and, and never accept anything less than, you know, basically excellence. And like, that's the reason that the brand looks the way that it looks in terms of, uh, you know, the, the, the outward presence. So super, super happy for that. And very grateful for in, her input. So, well, it's yeah. super bougie because of her. Everything looks cool. The logos, <laughs> the artwork, the graphics, the edit. I don't, I don't know if she's doing any like the video or audio editing or whatever, but whoever, whoever the whole team. Yeah, Phil, you're killing it, man, because it does great. And I, I'm, I mean, did you know any? You just started dicking around with video and, and audio when y'all decided, you know, decided to do this because everything else is done on your iPhone, right? Before that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, so you had so, like no, you had like no whatever going into it beforehand as far as experience. You just said I'm gonna figure this shit out, and and you figured it out, I guess. Yeah. So uh, I would say the first, uh, the first few stuff uh, at the beginning of the year, uh, at the beginning of last year, was not me. It was uh, it was our boy Brian. Yeah, that was the um, like the, 
the online training videos, that's all that's all my man Brian. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's a really cool story in and of itself. Yeah, let's hear. How's that? Who's who's he? And like, how'd y'all get hooked up with him? Oh man, it's a cool story. Um, so, um, we were just getting ready to. We got we got done with Shot Show, and we had some really cool media projects that were supposed to show up and uh, er, this past year. But obviously, we all know how that shit went. But um, so we knew that we were going to go tackle the the online training stuff, and and I was like, look, we need to do this the right way. Um, there are people out there doing the online training thing, but I just want to make sure that we, we set ourselves apart because we just wanted to make sure that it was super high quality. Um, and so I needed a videographer. Like I, I know how to do some stuff, but there's just no way that I would be able to do what I wanted to do with the vision of it by myself, um, without somebody like really that knew what they were doing to help out <clears throat> for that professional look. And so um, you know, Cassandra went on uh, a couple of uh, basically like some websites that you pick up contractors for, like independent contractors for like video editing and stuff. And um, Brian answered. And not only did he answer, he circumvented the, uh, you know, the messaging interface between the, the, the application. He went to our mm-hmm. website, poked around on the website, looked at everything and then sent us an email through the website and said, hey, I'm the dude from Upwork. Uh, I really checked your site out and it's fucking rad and I wanna help out and do whatever it is that you guys are doing. And so Brian came to Yakima and uh, we we uh, basically he became our house guest for three months. Oh, and wow. Brian just showed up and um, we just started crushing it and started like not like crushing it but crushing the like the workload of yeah putting the work in yeah putting the work in for it yeah while he's there utilizing the time that he was there and three months is a long time man look if you're putting it in i mean you can get a lot of work done in three months you know when that's you know solely what you're working on well and he showed up like march 5th i think that was his first day there march 5th and then like the whole covid drama hit March 15th ish shut everybody down. So nobody was doing shit. And we were just like, well, okay, well, this is going to work. Just, this is going to work just fine. We're yeah. not going anywhere. So let's Perfect just timing. get the shit done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so tell, talk then, to me about like, the, uh, the online stuff. Oh, okay. Go ahead. You got something else. No, but like the, the, all like the marketing videos that you see, like that are on social media, that's, that's Phil. And he's like, yeah, so I took that, I took that, I've always been interested in like videography and and stuff like that. Um, And I just know how powerful that is to uh, uh, invite emotion for like, man, like that could be me, right? Or like whatever. So uh, seeing how uh, out of touch uh, the precision rifle marketing is, is like, I don't want us to be that, right? Yeah, I don't want that, you know, and, and now that I d- d- dove into like the videography, I, you know, I, I bought an online course, you know, and uh, it's like I, I, I look at the small things now, like audio, right? That's a huge thing, you know, using yeah. in-camera audio and, and whatnot. Um, so that's why, you know, we invested into like actual podcast mics and mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's been good. I soundproofed my room just so that you didn't have... Like right now, because we're we're traveling, we're in an Airbnb. Like the 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 sound is not obviously ideal, but we try to do the best we can to make it work. And, and you know, it's been good. You know, and, and people are noticing. And you know, we want to make that extra step of giving 
people that are following us, you know, just better content, right? That's how we're going to continue. Because because right now, I mean, everyone and their mother are making precision rifle pages good on them, right? Like if they, that's your passion. But I guess like right now, it's like okay, how do we now continue to separate ourselves from everyone else out there? Yeah. Yeah, and y'all are doing an awesome job at it as well. Because you know when when you're talking about video, and you can, it, it's not just. Uh, any one venue it can be in anything in life it could be someone that's videoing a gardening video right just you pick a topic the video and the not just the quality but uh, the angles the b-roll you can tell a whole story without ever saying a word there could be it could just be uh like i forgot the guy's name he's a he's got a big uh youtube channel he's over there in uh, one of the Nordic countries, but uh, he's friends with Frank. Um, but he has literally, there's no talk. There's there's absolutely no dialogue, no nothing in his videos. He does not speak. But you know exactly what's going on because of through the, the videography. And it's like mm-hmm. you're there and you're just you know not talking. Um, and it, yeah. it tells yeah. the story and it's really cool shit. And I can tell some of the stuff that you're doing with a lot of the B-roll, it's doing the same exact thing. And that's really, uh, I think it can retain somebody's attention. What is it that people say that you don't need a video longer than, what is it, three minutes to retain the the viewing of it or something like that? Uh, No, it's more like 15 seconds. It's really, really small. It's small. Yeah, dude. well, when you when you paint when you paint that picture well enough, you have I think you have that ability to captivate somebody long enough because then they're you know, almost invested. They're like, I'm there, I'm a part of it, and it that's uh that's really cool. Some that the Gunworks guys did. Uh, there's one guy I don't know his name in particular. He does a lot. He's a really sh- uh, short but really stocky dude. He goes on these giant fucking elk hunts huge elk every time he's on that one of his episodes it's literally him with a camera there's no audio there's just and it's what those are my favorite episodes of uh long range uh pursuit uh i don't even know the guy's name but the bama is off the hook with it and i love it you know it it's really cool y'all know who i'm yeah. talking about no i don't no, I don't. Yeah, i'd have to watch it i'd have to probably watch it yeah yeah i i, I damn it fucking pissed me off i can't remember the guy's name um <laughs> but it, it's it's really cool because it's like there's no talking but he and i think there's no cameraman but him on the hunt uh and he'll I, he's he's got to just set the camera up and like walk by it go back around pick it up go sit over here walk by it over here again but it I, actually, I will tell you man it's when you're doing when you're filming for your filming yourself when it's just you trying to go out and create content it's time consuming you, you, you know you i would like <clears throat> i like um uh, i enjoy some of the podcasts you do because you have the personality for it and 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 uh, this is just a shot in the dark here i i really think because i enjoy doing them but i think you have more of the personality it's hard for me i, I feel like sometimes my personality is pretty dry but I, I think you should look at doing vlogs, bro. Dude, you should. You got because you, you have you, the you have the you have the personality because you can you know how to just entertain yourself. Well, I the, I don't know. Well, I appreciate. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate it, but I mean, that's just like that's like asking one of you two to go build a fucking rocket. You don't know how to build a rocket. I don't know how to do all that shit. I'll I mean, learn. I can. I'll, I'll, I want to learn how to build a rocket. 
We our host down here in this class just is just a very short tangent. Like uh, Steve Williams, he's our host. I never, I've known him for like ten years, and like he literally nuked my brain with the amount of knowledge that he spit out. And like that would be a cool vlog in and of itself, right? I think you would, I think you would kill it, man. Like you just have the personality to just be like, oh, this is. Fucking What's David up? Baker, man. How are you? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, that's and that's the way you got to be. You know, it's just you got to be yourself. Uh, you maybe. Really I mean, that's. I mean, I've thought about the whole YouTube thing. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't have the like we talked about in the um the group podcast we did for the uh, Assassin's Way match. Like, I, I do not have. Uh, symbols of the expertise that that you two and Frank and Jacob all that yeah. have. So I'm like, no, what no, the no. fuck am I gonna talk about? Time out, time out, time out. It has nothing to do with that. What it has everything to do with is is saying, like, why did you start your podcast? Why did you start the just fucking send it? Yeah, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, that's a that's a legitimate question. Spill it, man. Let's hear I, it. I well, I'm a podcast i've always been a podcast junkie like literally for the last three years i do not listen to music i love music don't be wrong i'm I'm a big fan of music but when i'm I'm in my truck like six hours a day if not more i'll roll through like four podcasts a day that's all i do so i'm like man man i can talk yeah i mean i'm fucking (laughs) ask my wife i'll talk this fucking wall if there's no one here sitting with me but and i do sometimes so but you know it's uh so i was like well shit i i I like a lot of things i have a lot of interest i'm the type of guy that that dives into a hobby to where like i've done i've raced motorcycles I have played semi-pro paintball when I was younger. Like, I traveled all over the fucking country playing paintball tournaments. Um, I have done, obviously, training canines, working dogs, all that shit. Love, I love that. Uh, shooting, hunting. Uh, now I'm in jiu-jitsu. And I, I have a very addictive... It's a good thing I don't do drugs because I would be a fucking junkie. <laughs> but I have a very addictive personality. And I'm like, so I'm not a... I'm a jack of a lot of trades and master of none. You know, so and so I got right. So if you could just you were me and you were sitting here talking and you're like, man, uh, this uh, my neighbor's dog keeps, you know, doing this at my house and it's bothering me. I'm like, oh, you know what you need to do? You need to do this, that and the other, this dog. And I promise you, you won't have that problem again. You'd be like, well, how do you know? Well, I used to, I used to train working dogs. And, you, and so but we could have a conversation and there's a probably a good chance. I'm going to know I know uh, a little bit about a lot of stuff. Right. I don't know a lot about a lot, but I know a a little bit about a lot of things. So I was like, fuck it. If no one listens to me, I don't give a damn. I don't make money off of this shit. Uh, And (laughs) it's done. It's done pretty well, I guess. I mean, my my total total downloads is like one episode of (laughs) y'all. So I I need to step up my market. Come on, man. No, uh, this is what this is what he was talking about with the vlog stuff. Like you, you would you would be fantastic at it, man. And people want it. It's just, this is the thing. It's like, it's just gotta be like real people doing their real shit. Like that's what this is all about. This is not like, look, man, I know that there are so many personalities out there that are literally different people. 
Yeah. They're, they're literally different people. I, I would say there's a lot of people out there that will, will relate to you totally a, a lot, uh, you know, you know, a lot more than they can relate to us. Cause I think, you know, because of Kaylin and I's background, they, they think that we're up, up on some kind of pedestal no where we're just, you know, working class men, just like anyone else. You know what I mean? That, that had the opportunity to go to the path that we went on and, you know, very fortunate. But again, we, we don't want that to define who we are. You know what I mean? We talk about yeah, that all the time. Sure. We want, we want it to elevate the people that we are and, um, you know, and we love what we do. We love, uh, you know, being able to, uh, uh teach, uh, what we've learned through mm-hmm. the years of being snipers. And, um, you know, we want to inspire other snipers out there to, you know, um, just get their ass whooped sometimes, you know, at a fucking precision rifle match by a 15 year old girl. And that's okay. Right. Because we know how, you know, and obviously that's what brought us all three of us together is mm-hmm. the sport of long range shooting and competition yep. shooting. Um, it, it, we, we know how beneficial it is for that bridge between the civilian competition shooting and military and law enforcement sniper training. Yeah. Man. And, yeah. Uh, it, there's just not enough of it. That, that Dude, brings me to something. Go ahead. If if I were to look back at like 2013 timeframe and like said, hey man, this is what this is what your life is gonna look like at, at this point in time. Fast forward, I'd be like, you're fucking high, man. That's not happening. It's just this is the way. This is just it just it is. You know, you you say, okay, I'm gonna go do that, and then you do that, and then after that's done, you say, okay, I'm gonna go do that now, and you just keep doing that and doing that, and then you get knocked back a few, and then you come back a couple more and that's just exactly the way it is that's like that's what growing this thing has been uh, a process of which has been really exciting to be on so yeah uh, there was something I, I, I wanted to ask you um, have you uh, y'all, are, y'all are in Florida right now doing some training this is uh, civilian training right mm-hmm. yep okay My, I had a question of are you guys seeing a a difference in the people, uh, let's just say civilian classes in general, wherever you do civilian classes. So I'm not going to mix in law enforcement and military, but are you seeing a difference in the people uh, based on the geographic location of where you're, uh, where you're holding the classes? Like, can you, could you tell that you're in this place versus that place just by the students? Um, you know, you get um, what I'm saying? Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, but we've had people travel for from a long ways. Like we had we had uh, some people travel from uh, northwestern Virginia came down. Yeah. You know. Well, well they um, could they have been the Big River one. <laughs> well, they right. Well, he was there oh. too. He oh, okay. Like, cool. Hey, cool. I'm, I'm gonna go do this shit again. Like, and he brought his he brought his girlfriend down, and she participated. Um. We've had we had people drive like four hours up from Miami, um, uh, all around Florida, obviously. And but I mean, like for us at uh, in Yakima, especially for our backcountry hunter course, we've pulled people from the East Coast as far as Maine, uh, Florida, North Carolina, Virginia. Um, people come from all over the place, and so when you're in, like as an example, like being in Pig River, yes, we knew that we were in Virginia. Like, absolutely. But even then, we drew people from New York City that came down for that class. So, but overarching, yeah, like we knew we were in Virginia. The Southern Hospitality was there. 
Josh Bandy was fucking epic. Josh is, is he's my spirit animal. I love fucking Josh. <laughs> Josh is, is the homie. So he's yeah. a, in my opinion, Josh is not only and y'all I don't think y'all have uh, able to experience it yet, but not only is he such a good person and a good business uh, person and you know owning and running Pig River, but he is a fucking killer match director. He puts on some of my I've shot God knows I have no idea how many matches of his I've shot. Uh, they are always every time I've never had one negative even critique of how he runs a match he runs a match that's, like I, I wish i wish he'd run every match i'd ever shoot that's how good he is work. yeah he's amazing yeah. and it's a great facility too i i love that part of virginia um there's a lot of good beer spots um and uh, uh the like you said awesome food and then uh then the matches i mean it's just a gorgeous facility i mean regardless mm-hmm. of how good the course fire is uh, pig river precision is a, an awesome venue and he's got it set up to where i mean the sky's the limit of what he can actually do um and what he can host there it's it's amazing and i love it and i, I can't wait to go shoot there i'm shooting the guardian so, there so uh, you know i i think what makes josh a, a great match director we talked about this in in, in uh pig river is is he 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 knows and he, he, he builds around he builds his matches around the shooters that matter. Mm-hmm. The shooters that he knows that are giving back and putting into this sport. The con- yeah, the, the the contributing the the people that are contributing to the micro economy yeah. of what this is all about. The ninety percent of the shooters that there's a ten percent that are always gonna show up. Right? You yep. know the, what ten percent I'm gonna talk about. Yeah, it's the other ninety percent that show up to his match that he knows he wants them to come back, and uh, that is that is what grows the, the the industry. Yeah, we've had this conversation many times, and it might be it might be skipping ahead into what what you know what you wanted to cover, but we've we've this has been a topic of ours for a while because that you you posed a really good question with like the demographic of people um of shooters based upon where you're at and it's it does pose an interesting question um and i guess the the bottom line is that that there is no one demographic that is unique to our sport like over as an example like i live i live close to seattle and seattle is a is a major tech hub right Mm -hmm. for uh for that that profession um so facebook um, Amazon, Microsoft, Microsoft, like yeah, Microsoft's you, you, there. So there are. I, I have had a. Um, I wouldn't say the majority, but a significant percentage of uh, of our clients that are from the tech industry, um, and that is, that has its own interesting dynamics in and of itself. And um, but I've met some really really awesome people through that uh, through that you know. Um, that job area or that area of employment. And so, yeah, yeah. But then Craig again, Osborne is are, one of them. Do you know Craig Osborne? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. He, he's, a, he's an Aussie. He's an Aussie that lives in Seattle and works for Microsoft. And he's like, first of all, he was a, a world, I believe, don't get me lying, a world ranks uh, trap shooter. That's where he like got his kind of his balls wet in shooting. And then he jumped into the precision rifle, and I mean he's 
I mean, head first and precision rifle. He's a really good shooter. And, uh, yeah, one of the smartest people I've ever talked to in my life. And yeah, but he's, uh, I mean, even though he's an Aussie, he's just as red blooded American as, as the three of us are. And he's a super mm-hmm. cool dude, but he's like, man, I, I fucking hate working with all these people and at Microsoft, they're all a bunch of damn hippie ass liberals. And, you know, we talked for like an hour <laughs> and a half on the phone one time and he's, uh, he's a cool dude, but he's a perfect example of what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, even um, uh, all of our classes are super diverse. They're very, very diverse, and people come from all walks of life into this sport. Um, we talk about this all the time from, like, a, you know, I, analyzing a customer perspective. And, and it's, really hard to put, it's really hard to nail that down, and we had to really, like, break it up into groups because there are very distinct groups, but there's – micro categories within those groups that all jump that, that all can blend together uh as an example you could have like from a professional standpoint you could have a, a professional military sniper who has also got the bug and is an avid competitor right so you have those two you know cross-pollinating and the same thing from mm-hmm. the hunting community you could have a dude that's a military sniper and he loves to backcountry hunt right or he loves to hunt in the mountains but he hasn't quite gotten into the competition side yet. So he's making, he hasn't connected all of those dots yet. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah. it's really hard to put a finger on. We just had a dentist. So we had a dentist, an accountant, you know, we had a, a cop, mm-hmm. a, a police a, a, you know, public officer or a peace officer. A former trader. Um, yeah. Uh, we had a dude in this last class that um, uh, he just, he just retired and, um, he's looking to do basically everything right because he's you know he's like hey man i'm at the point where i can do this so i'm gonna go try that shit out and that shit just happened to be precision shooting i've had a barista bro like he owns coffee shops and like if you know obviously if you know anything about coffee shops unless you're like black rifle coffee company like most coffee shops are way on the the other side of right of, oh of yeah what typically political spectrum political spectrum the uh you know two eight industry is so uh, it's it's different, you know, and and um, and I think that's what you know when we we when we try to host our classes, right? We try to make sure that it it applies in 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 terms of like how we teach and how we deliver our information that it applies to every single one of you know their goals for why they're getting into precision shooting. Mm-hmm. And for me, my favorite part is is figuring out that why because like it's it's easy for for us to be like, oh, why'd you get into long range shooting? It's like no duh, like you know, it, it was a part of our job. And then not only that, we wanted to be you know, good at it. So it, it always intrigues me when I get that barista or get a dentist. Like, why do you, you know, why do you want to get into long ride shooting? And it's just like, you know, therapy, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it's a hobby for them to pick up to, because, you know, just the, 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 the when you think about it, I mean, you put in this side little bullet in space, in time and space on a target, no bigger than a dinner plate up fucking six, 700 yards. And do yeah. it over and over, and not only that, with intention. Yeah, so. yeah I, I talked. I actually, it's funny you said that, Phil. I mentioned kind of along the same lines, uh, the same thing when I had Jacob on. Jacob Bynum on last week. Um, I, I mentioned that we were talking about like 22 stuff and how the 22 stuff can segue somebody if, if they're a new shooter and getting they jump into 22 first, which I always say that is a a kick ass idea, um, but. The also the 
the ability to not segue into center fire because the 22 stuff kind of checks all the boxes off for them that they want. They may, they may be just the type of person that if there were no guns, they would like darts. They like that ability of taking this thing here and hitting that mm-hmm. thing there at a long day. And how, how precise can I do it? How many times can I do it? And, hey, 22 checks that box off, and then they may never, ever own a centerfire rifle in their life. And but they are heavily invested in the 22 stuff because, well, that gets the rocks off. That that's the fun thing for them, and and which is completely cool and okay too. So it's not that you know, the 22 stuff you have to. Well, you got You're cutting your teeth with the 22 stuff, and now you gotta gotta put your big boy pants on and go to the center fire. No, you don't have to. You, that's great if you do, but it's it's not a requisite, you know. So it it kind of the same thing. It grabs those same people, whether it be they ever do the 22 stuff or if they start in center fire, they are they're uh, accomplishing their goal uh, and just trying to get better at it. Of t- like you said, having a bullet in time and space and putting it on target at at the furthest distance that they can and that that's awesome they may don't hunt they may have never been in the military never going to be in the military never be a cop they may never compete mm-hmm. they may just be hey look i've got this field that i live on that i can put a target at and i want to see if i can touch it i want to see if i can touch it from here and then extend it out and that's mm-hmm. cool it gets everybody in their foot in the door there's a, there's a space for everybody in this you know they they not they may not be tactical or or want to be the you know the next you know Jake Vibbert or something like that they just like doing it for themselves it's self satisfaction and either way that's awesome and we, we welcome them you yeah. know it, it was funny that you say that it's um, a couple of years ago we have like this like private group for snipers and stuff like that and uh, one of one of the the members in it. I don't know who it was, but he was a sniper and, and he had posted a comment saying that, oh, you know, I was at the range and, you know, don't you love it when you get those guys that have those like $10,000 custom rigs and they, they couldn't, you know, zero their shit. You're pretty much trying to get across that, like, you know, his budget rifle, right? He could out shoot him. And that's, I mean, that's near or near or there. And then actually my recruiter, who was also a scout sniper instructor, but he was my recruiter at the time when, when I first enlisted, um, he had he had commented he's like he's like yeah and last time i forgot that you needed a a, a scout sniper cert in order to bo- uh, buy a bolt action rifle right mm-hmm. essentially yeah. just like like it's like like who the fuck are you to 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 say that this guy that has the means to afford a ten thousand dollar rifle shouldn't shouldn't buy one or or the or that guy the only information that he could come across was the, to build that ten thousand dollar rifle, maybe maybe he was just like he didn't understand where to look, and he ended up following this and saying, okay, well this is the way. I guess I got to spend ten thousand dollars on this fucking thing. Yeah. Where well, we know yeah. now that you know, yeah, it doesn't yeah. require that. Yeah, it doesn't require that. But hey, look, it ain't tricking if you got it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you Correct. can afford it, Absolutely. why not? You got some that you'll never grow out of, right? We talk about that all the time as well, and that's something that, and again, it's it comes along the lines of being like a straight up fucking don't be judgmental, man. Like everybody is doing their thing, and what we need to do is just encourage more people that it's okay if if you come in like right here, that's cool. Like just do it, get your foot in the door, figure it out. If you like it, 
badass, you're going to be able to, to get a lot of potential out of that one, out of that particular system down here. And then you figure out like, okay, cool. Like maybe next year, um, I'm going to go upgrade this or next year I'm going to do that. And by the time you get up to that level, you will truly be shooting inside the capability of that system. So, you know, the way I look at it is like, I don't care if you drive a Honda Civic to work or if you drive a motherfucking Maserati, right? If it, if it, if it takes you from point A to point B and that's what you want to drive, I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. But don't expect to buy a Ferrari thinking that you're really going to be or, or trying Fucking to compete Mario Andretti. A, 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 yeah, you're uh, not going to be a, a Mario Andretti because you right? bought it. Exactly. Thinking that that fucking Ferrari or that Maserati is going to is going to put you as now a world cl world class sports driver. It's fucking not going to happen. Yeah. And look, without the guy that bought the $10,000 rifle with about $2 worth of training, Aaron Davidson would probably be in a different business because that's only a big portion of his customer base. And I am not trying to shit on Aaron. He's got good shit. I'm just saying that there's a bunch of people, like a lot of his customers are got the means and they're like, you know what? I'm going to go to elk hunt. I need the best rifle I can yeah. buy. Oh, look at Gunworks. I see these guys on TV. Here's a $10,000 check. Send me that rifle. A hundred percent, dude. It ain't tricking if you got it. It's okay. So I, 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 was I, I plead the fifth, all right? I was telling him. I plead the fifth, too, man. <laughs> I was telling him I had one time down here. I see you. I see you. <laughs> I, <laughs> I can't even <laughs> We have to do this all the time. This is a lot of fun already. This is good. Um, so here down in Volusia County, uh, several years ago, um, a student who is an entrepreneur, he was a very busy man. You know, he's running multiple businesses, successful. That's his drive. He loves being that busy and he loves not having that kind of time. That's what fills his, you know, that's what fills his pot, I guess. He shows up and he opens up this badass fucking Ford pickup truck with all the things and and I see all these boxes in the backs in the bed of this truck. Three boxes, three AI boxes. Oh, three fucking Schmidt and Bender boxes, three, you know, three uh, LaRue mounts and and like fucking thousand rounds of ammo for all three of these guns, which happened to be one was an AW uh, 308 or uh, an AW 308, an AW 300 mag and an AW 338 Lapua. And he had a thousand rounds. I like I like this guy. Already. I like this guy already. He looked at me and he goes, hey. He, he was like, hey, well, you know, I didn't really know what to do, so can you help me set this shit up? Huh. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure, man. Like, cool, we get to fucking assemble some guns for class, right? So he assembled all of his guns, and he shot the piss out of them, and he had a blast. And, and probably a long-range shooter for life. Yeah, okay, so, he, I'm a he, so I'm a hedge fund manager. the best shit. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a hedge fund manager, okay? And I want to get in this game, Okay. I can literally, I can make it fucking rain with hundred dollar bills. Am I supposed to go to, am I supposed to go to Dick Sporting Goods and buy a Savage uh, Ten and go shoot that? No, I, well, I could. Yeah, sure, I could. You but didn't I don't know any better. If you didn't know any better. Know right, any better. right, exactly. Yeah, but it, it's the point of if it's like. It, it's okay that he can do it. Don't. That's just hating. I'm just sorry. I'm. That's just hating on somebody because they can afford something and they don't have the training that that typically fits that. It's okay. 
As long as that person's got the mentality, as long as that person's got the mentality that I have this now, I'm not, you know, Carlos Hathcock because I bought this motherfucker, and I'm going to go get the trains where I can utilize what I have now purchased, right? That's okay. Have that attitude. But there there are people out there that take advantage of of what they have. You know, a a perfect example, you know, just in a competition a couple weeks ago, and, uh, you know, I was talking with my buddy Corey. And, uh, you know, he's like, he was just, we were, uh, you know, just talking shop on the way down. And he's like, man, you know, I've got all these, a uh, couple of new guys, you know, that have been shooting for, you know, maybe six months are really new to the community. But after like four or five matches of the belt, you know, they think that they're the next Carlos Hathcock and stuff like that, you know, giving down advice. And he was just, you know, cracking jokes. He's like, you know, honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they started a podcast. <laughs> 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 But there, there, there are people out there, right? And it's just, I guess it's every industry that you, you, you it, go. It really is, dude. It yeah, really it's very not, much it's, is. Yeah, it's not just secluded to the it's human beings. precision it's just, rifle industry. It's human right? beings, yeah. it's behavior, it's patterns, yeah. it's program behavior, and all those things. And so it's it's like, I don't think it's synonymous with, with mm-hmm. any one thing because I participate in, in a lot of different um, uh, like organize, organized sports outside of shooting. Yeah. And it's it, it's all across the board. Get the same shit, you know. So I, I just got thrown on a plane on on Wednesday, my first <laughs> time skydiving, and uh, you know I was telling Kalen, you know, and it's like it's like fuck, man, like this is gonna get expensive because when I do something, I'm, I'm apparently an expensive friend. When I do something, I, I don't like just being average at it, right? It's like it's yeah. like if I do something, I got to be at least you know pretty good at it. And in order for me to get good at it, what do I got to do? I got to... You got to do it. I got to invest in it. I got to do time. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, fuck. You know, something's got to give, right? So yeah. it's like... That's why I, I, I try to avoid doing more hobbies because I know that I'm just going to want to invert and just invest more time and, and stuff into it and, and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I'm uh, definitely hooked into the uh, skydiving realm. I got to... He's got it. He's got to power up his technology here no worries that's why that same thing phil the same reason that's the same exact reason why i've never gone duck hunting in my life i all my friends duck hunt they're like dave you got you love it i said i, I probably would that's yeah, why i'm that's not going to do it yeah i'm not going to do it i've got way too much shit that costs way too much money uh and too much time i mean my time is worth more than anything but uh yeah, I, I don't have time for a new yeah, thing to be addicted to yeah, so it yeah, it's a good thing about live, like duck hunting. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, it is, and uh, like jujitsu. The good thing about jujitsu is I pay a monthly fee, I buy a gi, and that then that's it. Now, other than like the seminars and shit you can do, um, but even still, it's the cheapest hobby I've ever had. But I, I, I'm, I'm tour slam up with it. I love it. <laughs> so it, it's it's cool. My son is doing it, and I'm what he is he is tore up with it. He loves it. He goes more days a week than I do, and I love it. And I did hear you say Phil on the, y'all's last episode. You talking about uh, maybe um, doing some jujitsu? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So one thing I wanted to do was get back, and that's the thing about Cody. There's not really gyms in there, um, but that's one thing that I did do. I wouldn't say I did do it. Um, we had some officers uh, that were like purple belts uh, on my last deployment. 
And um, every Tuesdays and Thursday nights, we'd roll for about an hour and a half. But one thing that what, what I loved about it was, uh, it's so funny because Kayla and I just talked about this. We did, morning. too. He's a McNinja. So in, oh. in the Marine Corps, uh, and anyone that, you know, that's been in recently, whatever, we have this thing called McMAT, which is Marine Corps Martial Arts Program. You talk to any grunt, you know, everyone like knows that McMap is kind of a joke, right? Because like, you know, you get that fucking eighteen-year-old that just graduates boot camp, gets his tan belt, now he thinks he's Chuck Norris, right? He's <laughs> 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 like, like, I wish a fucking world, I, I wish a motherfucker would try to fucking step up the scene, but realize that if they when they do, they get their ass beat. Anyways. So it, in the Marine Corps, I was a, a martial arts instructor. So I was essentially. I, this this is new information, by yeah. the way. I just learned this. this I, is, no I was certified very essentially. Because there's a belt system in the Marine Corps, right? You've got tan belt, gray belt, green belt, brown belt, and black belt. What's the what's what's the purpose of the belt? Well, it's well in jujitsu at least. Oh, I was to tell you back. In taekwondo, is for you to give money to the fucking place you're taking taekwondo. But in jujitsu, no, it's, it's, it's to show in, how long you've been doing it, showing how no. long you've been doing it, and yeah, it's it's a time. Well, it really it's a time stamp to show how long you've been doing it and uh, and your experience in it. Yeah, it was, uh, well, so uh, I guess one of my lectures it, it, when I was teaching is like, hey. This belt is is the only thing a belt is used for is to keep your pants up, right? Oh, okay, well, yeah, that belt. Yeah, and 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 I, the reason why I say that is is because you know the Marines, unless they actually just like you know us doing shooting, unless they actually pursued like hey, fighting outside of the Marine Corps, like they're never really gonna get proficient in, in that because Mac was really just one of those check in the boxes, right, of, 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 for promotion. Yeah. You know, so people would come to me like hey, I'm looking to get promoted. Uh, would you would you mind doing a green belt course for us? So they're like, yeah. So I you know, run through like a two or three week. But that was the extent of their essentially martial arts training career. Not only that, you know, um, Marines are very high strong. So when when it came time to rolling, I mean, they would just exert all of their energy. They'd be at like 100 well, percent of the time. Right. And one thing that I appreciated about these officers that I was rolling around with, because I was a, I was a sergeant at the time. Right. Rolling around with majors and and uh, lieutenant colonels. It, it, there were everything was just so slow paced and you know and, and mindful and and uh, just like you know they didn't have that spur of energy to just want to like you know fucking headbutt you wisdom bro <laughs> that's wisdom you. right there man right and like within seconds you know I remember rolling with his major I mean like he fucking rolled me up in a pretzel <laughs> I was like <laughs> okay that was cool how the fuck do I do that you know. <laughs> And uh, and I I was just like man this is this is cool and you know one of the things he was just that major was able to just explain to me he's like yeah a lot of times you know you know people think that just fighting is about you know just like trying to you know over strengthen someone else. it's just all about technique you know and mindfulness and listening you know like like I've just been recently listening to Jocko Willens podcast I'd say the last. I don't know, uh, uh, three or four weeks, and I know he's really into jujitsu. Oh, he's he's. Yeah. I mean, he's a he's a high level black belt. I've listened to Jocko forever. He's a he's a black belt's black belt because he. I mean, yeah. he puts. He's like the walking, and just like the rest of him in his life, he's like the walking epitome of hard work, and and tough like just veracity and and uh, coupled with. Uh, like you said, mindfulness and wisdom. It, it, he's like the personification of. So yeah, you've got it nailed. Yeah, 
So that's why I want to get want to want to, want to get into it. Yeah, I I got like I had no idea that he was a, a martial arts instructor. They used to be um, uh, their their schoolhouse was adjacent to ours, and so um, when I remember when that program came out, like those dudes were a bunch of fucking savages, man. They would just beat the shit out of each other all fucking day long. It sounded like a murder house in there. Um, and like dudes would be like terrified to go to that school because they're just going to get fucked up for like three weeks and, you know, and just get like hurt. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I, you know, that was a thing. It's just like, if you didn't enjoy fighting, like if you didn't enjoy fighting, you had to go through the, that as a, as a result of, you know, a being an, being an infantryman, but also, um, you know, as part of your, uh, professional military education. Right. So it was a check in the box, like you said. But there are some dudes like as soon as the martial arts program came out, like all the guys that, that love jujitsu and love rolling just kind of like materialized out of fucking nothing. And then before long, it was like a lot of people started to get into it. A lot of people started to get into it. And yeah, like on deployments and deployments, that was what you would do in the hangar bay for PT. You go down, you practice, you, you do McMap, <clears throat> which generally turned into the dudes in the platoon who knew how to fucking do crazy shit would turn you into a fucking pretzel. I yeah. mean, that's just the way it went. When, when I think of, like, uh, like modern McMath and, and uh, like, the Marine Corps, so do you remember that scene in Shooter with Mark Mark Wahlberg? And he just gets shot, and he goes up to the FBI agent on the side of the street. And wrist like, locks hey, him, and judo throws him. And then, Exactly, right? And so, like, every time I remember that scene, that is what... America has a perception of what Marines are capable of when they get out of oh, right. the Marine Corps, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you what. He's <laughs> Maybe, a fucking Marine. He's going to beat your ass. There is probably like 0.1% of the Marine Corps that, we, that yeah. is capable of doing that. <laughs> yeah, all right. So He's actually, I, I, I've got a story about that. So before I went into the Air Force, I was uh, like freshly 18 and a buddy of mine was much older than me. He was a bouncer at a bar in downtown Greenville. Um, we used to have a pretty big, like, kick-ass club scene and bar scene in Greenville. In fact, ESPN Magazine ranked East Carolina University, which is here in Greenville, ranked us num- – uh, no, in the, they did a top 10 party school poll. And then ECU was not in the top 10. At the very bottom of the page, it said, sorry, ECU, no professionals. So that was like we were a drinking town with a college problem. And uh, but the, <laughs> so the, the clubs and bars are pretty crazy. Well, we're, we're a stone's throw from Camp Lejeune and Cherry Point. Right. So uh, we would I'd see Marines there like all the time. And especially at the Marine Corps ball, they'd be in their dress blues, all that stuff. Well, so my buddy, uh, Tate, he was a bouncer at a bar um, downtown, and we went out, just me and him, and his little brother, when I say little, I mean little brother, um, younger, but he's a massive man. He played defensive line for East Carolina University. Well, we went to the bars, and I was with the entire ECU. Tell where this is going. I was with the entire ECU D-line, okay? I was 140 pounds at the time, so I'm the <laughs> smallest guy by 100 pounds, okay? So we go to this bar, and my my, my buddy Tate, he uh, he was I mean roided up, huge guy himself. And he's sitting there drinking his like you know Jack and Coke, and uh, a Marine walks past him and like bumps him. His drink goes all over his shirt. He's like, like what the fuck, dude? 
And the guy looked at him and said, <laughs> the, 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 Marine, the Marine said, what the fuck are you going to do about it? And Tate proceeds with a right cross across his jaw. Okay, Little did we know he had about six or seven Marine buddies with him. When in Greenville, if you saw one Marine, there's at least five to yeah, ten more, right? Those are called boots. Yeah, they prop. Yeah, because they look my age, right? Uh, <laughs> well, they all showed up behind the dude who just got his jaw cracked, and they were not aware that the entire ECU D line was there with us. So. There, a giant brawl, and it, I'd say a brawl because it was a lot of people, but it's not a brawl because it was a literal ass-fucking. Um, the D-line guys literally picked these Marines up, and, I mean, it was like a like Royal Rumble, right? Throwing dudes out of the ring and shit like that. And I'm the smallest guy. I'm like, I'm not in this shit. Do not – I don't know none of these guys. Do not come here and fuck with me. They're like big guys. and. It was crazy, dude. It it was a crazy night. But we that kind of crap happened all the time because we knew like Marines would shut a bar down. Like they would come in and like all of us that were like from Greenville were like roll our eyes like oh shit. Well, well go check please because they're gonna like start a fight with somebody and then they're gonna kick everybody out. And so we were like ah oh, the fuck. It's like they came to Greenville to fight, you know. And it's pretty crazy. But um I had hey, an interest. I had this is a prime lesson. Just a prime lesson, just to all the boots out there. Just don't be boots, man. Just fucking be cool. Yeah, that's boots fuck, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but I, I had I had a, a similar introduction to jiu-jitsu to you, Phil, because uh, my supervisor um, in the Air Force, he was at, well, at the time was a blue belt, but uh, while he was my supervisor, he got his purple belt. And he was from uh, my buddy Richie Allen. He's now TAC-P. He's a, a E7 now. He's TAC-P. He cross-trained out of our job into TAC-P um, while I was in. Uh, but anyway, he um, he taught jiu-jitsu classes as a purple belt in, in Goldsboro, where I was stationed. Um, and, uh, but he, we were, we were, he was my supervisor, but we were really good friends too. So we had a really good relationship and he would, I mean, like you said, twist me into a pretzel in eight different ways. And I was like, this shit is jujitsu. Fuck. Like this shit's crazy. Like I don't, I didn't even know that we even started yet. And I'm already on my back with, you know, he's choking me with my own arm and I'm like, the fuck is this shit? And, and so that was my introduction to jujitsu. And I was like, you know, someday I'm going to learn this shit. And, and here fast forward, what, 12 fucking years later, um, I'm, I'm finally doing it and doing it with my son. So, uh, That's and that cool, he, man. Yeah, he was a big reason why. Like cause I said before we had kids, I told my wife, I said, look, boy or girl, it doesn't matter. When they're five, they're, boy or girl, they're starting jiu-jitsu. They're going to do it for three years, whether they like it, hate it, love it, don't give a shit. They're doing it for three years. After three years, they can quit if they want. If they want to keep going, great. But they will know a baseline something at that age to build off of. and Because I'm not about raising no punk-ass victim. Um, and, uh, and I'm also not about to raise a bully either. And I, I tell you, jujitsu, he is taken to it like a duck in water and he, uh, it's actually made his school behavior better. Like he's a whole different kid at school now. Like he's, uh, behaves, he listens better. He gets in trouble less because he's just like me, you know, squirrel, you know, ADHD is fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
he's just changed. It's changed him for the better, and I love it. And he's like, I'm gonna be a red belt. Well, if you're a red belt, you got to be a black belt for like 400 years. And there's not a, a red, <laughs> there's not a red belt under the age of 65 in the world, right? So he's he loves it. He's all about it. But I, and I love it too. Absolutely. And you know what? I'm gonna have my my professor on because what I'm gonna do is we're gonna do a podcast. Uh, like the like the first half is gonna be uh you know jujitsu related him and his jujitsu career and then I'm gonna take him shooting here at the house Phil you know I've got a great big field behind my house I can he's yeah. never shot a, a the only rifle he's ever shot really is an AR at 35 yards battle zero right um and I'm gonna put him on steel at about 550 and then bring him back in because and I want and we're gonna start recording then like hey. What correlation, what similarities did you see in jujitsu and precision rifle? Because I do a lot of uh, private lessons with him, and he'll say something. I'm like, look, it's funny you said that. That's so close to natural point of aim. It's so close to this and what we do in precision rifle. It's amazing to think that that they have nothing to do with each other, but when it comes to the fundamentals – and, and technique, there's so many things that correlate between jiu-jitsu and precision rifle. It, it's it's almost a crime to not bring it up with somebody who is a professional at one and then gets introduced to it in the other. They could say absolutely that same principle goes along with with jujitsu, and I think it's gonna be really cool and, and a little different a little different episode that I think people are gonna like. Even if you don't like jujitsu, um, I think that someone everyone could appreciate that. Yeah, I, I would like to, I'd like to dip my toe in the water, you know, just to just to experience it from at, from a more structured level instead of just getting fucking folded up. You that's know, not just for, that, Yeah, it's it's. Fun. Yeah, so no, I want to. I really do. I want to learn. Uh, my son, my son uh, did jujitsu. He really really enjoyed it, and then COVID killed our gym in town, which was a super big bummer because he enjoyed it. And like you said, like his he would come home and he'd just be like, Hey man, I was talking to him about it. And it's, it's very structured and, you know, watching the practices and stuff. And like, it's a great thing for kids. It's fantastic for kids because it teaches them the discipline It teaches them the respect of their teachers, but not in like this, not in this like submissive, you know, yeah. weirdness. No, it's, it's not at all. It's a true respect because the teacher is the, the example. <clears throat> Right. And so not this bullshit of, you know, you need to sit in this chair and be quiet and do what I say, because it's now it's time to do that. This is more along the lines of they're learning a really, really valuable skill in how to interact with other people and respect other people that have more time and duration. Yeah, exactly that. And it, it in my opinion, jujitsu, as opposed to any other martial art, it's the more applicable to life it's, it's a problem solving in fact there's a funny meme that i saw uh it it said uh it, it was like how i explain jujitsu to people and it's a picture of a, a like a leopard or a jaguar underwater and he's got his claws like this around in a rubik's cube <laughs> right i, I mean that, that's a, I a perfect personification of do. it yeah it's a perfect example of that it's like aggression and just tenacity plus I'm figuring out this fucking a Rubik's cube because it's literally <laughs> it's physical chess. And to me, that is uh, applicable to life on so many different levels. It can teach you 
you can learn how to learn. You get what I'm saying? It, it, you can learn how you how you can learn something new by. All right, we're back. We had a little bit of technical difficulties. Um, so I think we're good and we're squared away now. But now what I was saying was that you know jujitsu, uh, I, I think gives gives somebody a, a kid or adult it gives you the ability to be able to learn how to learn, and that in and of itself can uh, affect you positively across everything in life. And I I, I mean when they say jujitsu is for everybody. I mean, I, I mean, I, I have no data to disagree with that, right? Whether you are Interesting. a 60-year-old uh, bank teller or whether you're a tight-hitting 18-year-old that wants to, uh, you know, twist heads off shoulders, it doesn't matter. There's, there's it's kind of like the same thing as far as shooting goes. Everybody who does this uh, thing we do, there, there's a space for everybody in it, you know, and, and that's... Uh, that's why I love that I'm doing both because they both kind of complement each other in their own ways. And uh, they both they're so different, but yet they, they accomplish uh, some of the same things, you know. And I was just glad to hear you, Phil, say on the last episode uh, of, of the Modern Day Sniper that you wanted to, to get actually get your feet wet in it and uh, as a civilian and, and doing it this route. Because, like I said, it can do nothing other than make you sore and hurt and shit like that. There's no negativities at all, um, and I think I mean I think everybody could benefit from it, you know. And not only that, that but also yeah. the benefit of, of uh, um, you know your self defense and, and walking in uh, to any situation with confidence, you know. There's a, you wouldn't you wouldn't believe the mm-hmm. amount of people go into their day to day life and go anywhere and they just don't have the. It, it's weird, even if like uh, combat or violence is not on their mind. They don't have self-confidence to where, you know, jujitsu can give them that confidence. It's, you know, what I'm saying. Agreed. Uh, yeah, I can totally see where you're coming from with that. Absolutely. Yeah, there's and and there's a whole there's problems in and of itself of people not being confident, you know, that affects everybody around them. Um, and I mean, it's it's also not only that, but like the family aspect. By that, I don't mean my family. I mean the jujitsu family. You know, I've been going since November, and uh, they, uh, everybody there, is, they're already like family to me. Like they love my kid, number one. Like they, they all love Jacks. But not only that, but like just me and them, it's you get a different bond with somebody when you're hugging for two hours, right? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I mean yeah. that's what you're doing. Sure. You're violently, and uh, when you get done, you you got. My sweat is on you. Your sweat is on me. It, we're tired. You just choked me to where I was seeing stars. And, you know, we dap hands when the when the uh, timer goes off. And it, it's uh, it's awesome. There's there's no negatives at all to it. Yeah. But uh, changing gears, there's some other things I wanted to bring up. Kalen, you spoke to me personally in the last episode talking about the being kind to yourself you oh you really, oh. Yeah, dude, that spoke to me because look, i am the most egregious offender um and well, it's important yeah man um that's something that we've that's something that you know people have asked a lot of a lot of questions on the the, the what is this mindfulness behind the rifle stuff that you're talking about well it's 
it's um it's that is the that is the genesis of the mindfulness behind the rifle coming to that realization um understanding that you know you have to be able to to be a good student and in order to be be a good student you also have to be able to um understand how you tick and how you process information and how emotionally attached you are to the outcome of your efforts whether that's you know a positive attachment or a negative attachment to it um because that aspect of you will set your intention right and so we can either have really you know positive intentions with with uh you know uh with pure intent and I'll, i know that's arguable uh that that is there ever any such thing as pure intent because that's based upon one's perception but it's more along the lines of like hey are you doing this to satisfy your own ego in terms of the uh what you think is your outward appearance versus what are you doing this because you want to be proficient for yourself and for your like you're talking about your confidence level and saying hey man like i just i'm i'm looking to to boost my confidence and i really want to know that i can do this um it's a technical and uh, it's a technical skill it's also an art form in terms of i'm talking about long range shooting mm-hmm. so you know it'll um it just gets you to think about like who you who you are and what makes you tick and why you do the things that you do and when we get, I guess, to that level of awareness, once once you get the awareness, you really can't go backwards, right? Once you become aware of something, um, you generally can't go backwards. You can tell yourself, oh, okay, I don't want to think about that, but it's always there. It's always biting at you. It's always now. It's like now it's part of your subconscious almost, and it's just like it's always going to be there. Yeah, exactly. I think being being kind to yourself it's not like in like like i talked about in the class it's not that it's not that anybody's calling you a snowflake it's not that anybody's like questioning your ability to be masculine um it's the fact that like every human being experiences emotions whether you want to or not you will experience them um and you just learning how to manage those and learning your attachments to the to those emotions uh, it's just going to help you navigate your your experience that much better. Yeah, and that that statement, being kind to yourself, it kind of it, it's it's applied to multiple people with different problems. It's it's all the same problem, but 100%. like w- where it's coming from it can be way different. So like how it spoke to me specifically was it wasn't like when it comes to like talking about ego, because we, we've all know that guy or that type of person um, where they care so much about, you know, what they look like in front of other people. You know, there's the things that we that people all people fear is the unknown. And then uh, we, we fear failure and, and how people perceive us afterwards. Right. But there's also like people like me, it's my issue has always been and I've been working on it um, is I am the I talk more shit about myself than anyone else does. Right. And I don't know if I do it for the laugh to get the laugh or whatever or if it's uh, or or what it is. But ego is not um, it's not my problem. In fact, the exact opposite is the. And it's not the confidence either. It's more so like I just I set myself up to do the things that I say that I'm going to do the negative things. Right. Uh, my my problem and Phil, me and you talked about this like last year sometime about 
how to help train myself to keep, let's say uh, there's a certain course of fire that requires you to do movement, engage multiple targets with, let's say, multiple wind, you know, keeping all those things in mind on the clock. Right. Because I, I battle with that the way my brain works. It's it's almost like uh, too much to compute type thing. And so it's uh, um, I'll be I, 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 what I'll do is I'll be like, all right, well, I'm going to fuck this shit up, guys. Y'all, 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 y'all watch this. I'll show you how not to do it. Like, that's just an example. And I and then I would literally not try to, but I'd end up dooming myself. to. So that what you're saying is, hey, that is too that problem, too. Well, you're going to bring like what you're just what you just said, like you're going to bring that into your existence. Yeah. That level of mindset. Hey, watch, man, I'm going to fuck this shit up. You're going to fuck that shit up, even if you don't want to. Right. Or, like, you know, it's going to happen. Um, and I'm not saying that it's just this fucking magical thing that you're going to be like, all of a sudden uh, I'm going to do well and then you do well or I'm not going to fuck this up and you don't fuck this up. Um, it's more along the lines of of identifying that this is how your brain works right this is how your um, this is how your mind attaches um things to your emotions and so we we actually had a good conversation about this yesterday with uh with uh john uh duffy dufrance um he was down here for our precision rifle 201 class and he talks about emotions managing your emotions in his classes and he asked if he could do a little kind of hip pocket thing on his little emotional scale and it's it's, it's spot on, man. I mean, it's the truth. We have to be able to um, neutralize our emotions. And we have to, in order for us to do that, we have to maintain neutral. And in my, in my eyes, maintaining neutrality is not having an attachment to the outcome of any situation. It just is data. It is what it is. It's just fucking, that's the way it is. So we attach emotions because we're told that we should, essentially is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. I mean, it goes, it's, it's right in line. I mean, it's, I mean, verbatim of what like Lanny Basham talks about with self-talk. Self-talk is so important because that, it, it, that get parallels with being kind to yourself is your self-talk is, I mean, you're, you're, you're basically speaking something into existence and, uh, it's, uh, you know, you're dooming yourself by doing that. And, um, you know, and I, I realize, it's true when uh, my last night I had, I went into it with all this in mind. I said, Jeff and CL, I was like, win this match. I'm not going to win the match. I know, but I'm, say, I'm saying, I'm going to win this match. There's <laughs> a difference. I'm not being uh, naive and thinking I'm going to sure. beat because of the people that are there. The different the, the thing about that is you cannot also control things that you have no control of. So your goal. That's right. Yep. Yeah, you know, I can't control if if you two show up and how you guys shoot. I can only control how I shoot, right? So I. But right. you have to have that mindset of hey, I'm gonna win. I'm gonna clean every stage. Well, when I get let's say I drop two shots on on a stage, I'm gonna clean the next one. Right. I'm going to clean the next one. And and mm-hmm. you may not clean every one, but you probably you probably bought yourself a couple points, a couple hits that you may not have gotten. 
because of sure. that mindset and, and either be yanking the trigger or whatever problem you may have, you're speaking that into existence. And then you are putting that out. You know, you, you then show that you do that. You you then fail. You, you do the f- same thing that you uh, said you were going to do. There's nothing you want to do, but you said you're going to do it. And yeah. you just, just you destined yourself to do it, you know? Yeah, because that all depends on one's definition of what failure is, right? right. That's all. That's also perception, too. So, um, you know, it's just uh, – I think it's 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 kind of a societal thing, like a, a generational societal thing. Um, that's just my personal opinion based upon the things that I've been learning up to this point. Um, but, you know, it makes a tremendous difference in your ability to perform, at least from at least in my experience so far, because it just like I used to when I was shooting a lot of competitions, um, I used to shoot way, way worse when I cared about how I wished to place. But the times that I would shoot really, really well are the times that I really didn't give a shit how I placed. I don't care. Like I'm, I literally don't care. I'm having fun with my friends and I'm shooting. Uh, I'm, I'm doing something that I'm passionate about and I'm having a good day, meaning that everything is connected. I'm staying present in the moment and I'm hitting targets. Right. So, um, but I've also experienced the other side of the spectrum too, where you get your your you get your mental ass whooping, and you win one match, and then the next one you go, and you know you're fucking 12th place. Like shit happens, and that's that's more of a mindset thing than anything else. And we've all yeah. experienced. Yeah, that goes that goes into the goal setting conversation. If if your goal is I'm gonna get top ten, you may get top ten because you have the ability to get top ten. But you didn't get top 10 because that was your goal. You mm-hmm. don't because you don't know who's showing up. You don't know how they are going to shoot. Uh, you could go to a, say, let's say a club match uh, in your local area. You live in bumfuck, take a left Egypt. And it's going to be not a lot of, you know, uh, the, the big names are going to be there. Right. And. You may, uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm, I wanna get top five, and you get top five, you, you got third place, great. You go to your very next match. Now it's a two-day national level match that every, the AG Cup qualifier, and every pipe hitter is there, and I'm gonna get top five. Well, yeah, that, that is not apples and apples because now you're bringing in a whole different group of shooters there. And you are now no longer the big fish in the little pond. And, and and that pond got a lot bigger into some big, big fish in that pond. And so then you get, you know, 25th. Well, did you fail? Well, yeah, yeah you did because that's what your goal was. And that was a, a, a incorrect goal to have. Well, so you, you brought up a great question the other, uh, the other month to me. It, you know, um, you had texted me. You're like, you know, I, I'm. I already know kind of my answer, but I'd really love to hear you and Kalen's kind of, uh, you know, talk on this. But you know, when you go to a match, what, what do you deem a match successful, and not necessarily, not necessarily in terms of placement? You know, because again, you can't control. You can't control. 
you know, like fucking the homeboy shows up and he just wants a game and he wins. Well, I mean, he wins, right? And, but like, what still constitutes for you the question you were asking me a successful match? And I think I asked that. We were, sitting, we, were, we were sitting right next to each other. I think when you had texted me, I was like, dude, that's a great point. You know, and, uh, you know, I had to kind of sit there and think about it, right? It's like, you know, for, for me, a successful match, you know, other than placement, right, is is being able to identify uh, 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 weaknesses in my um, actual performance of shooting so that then I can translate that information into instruction for my students, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. hey, I did this wrong, and this is how I should fix it, and this is how I'm going to communicate this information to uh, a student and, and then apply it to whatever their application is and how it will affect their application, not just because this is what I did at a stage, and it really fucked me in on some points. And, and work in a sense that, hey, this is what really got me uh, on this target. And if you're on not careful, or if you make the same mistake, you know, you're gonna have a very unsuccessful hunting trip, or you're gonna not be able to shoot a bad guy that needs to be in the face. Yep. You know what I mean. And so yeah. that, that's what makes my life, what I like, it's like, hey, when I go to a match, my goal is to build a diagnostic toolbox. And, and that was one of the biggest things that I would say that has ever resonated with me. And I was like, Caitlin is when I, when I reached out to him and I was like, hey, Caitlin, you know, like, you're the guy that every sniper wants to be. You know, he's worked for Magpul, he was able to continue on his craft of teaching long range. And, you know, Caitlin said to me, he's like, man, you know, the biggest thing that I learned is build your diagnostic toolbox because everyone comes in different shapes and sizes. Everyone's going to come to a rifle, you know, a rifle match or class for rifles, you know. And so, like, I had to learn to troubleshoot Artex, the Leopold, the fucking Athlon, you know what I mean? And, 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 and troubleshoot someone that's 250 pounds versus someone that is. You know, Megan, she's probably like a buck twenty and five foot ten mm-hmm. or five foot one that we had this past weekend. You know what I mean? And just figure out how I can essentially, because uh, like it's, it's just easy. Like, hey, just do it, do it as I do. Right? And then you kind of, I wanted to touch back on like the online training platform that Kaylin developed. Is that is not any of what our courses. Yeah. Not like, hey, this is how I do it, and just. And just showing you what we do. It's like showing you the why and how to make it work for you, essentially. But there's a lot of online construction out there that, you know, I'm, I'm sure, whatever, that just, like, hey, this is just how I do it. And you're just watching them shoot. Guess what? You fucking go on my fucking Instagram and you'll see 370 fucking videos of how I shoot. And guess what? That shit's for fucking free. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And I talk about all the time is if you took the time to do your homework, you can watch all my videos, and there's not one thing that you will learn differently at course than what I already put out on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Instagram channels. 
Yeah, and and you got to you, you if if someone is is built uh, physically just like you, then they can they can emulate exactly what you did and it worked out for them. But uh, yep. you know when I saw when you came here uh, and stayed here with me and we did the Guardian when you uh, did the train up, it was apparent that you could take. I mean, there was you never know. The, everybody's shaped differently. Everybody has different skill set levels. And you could take when you did the train up the day before, you know, you could take the, the someone complete opposite of you as far as experience level, physicality, uh, you know, whether it be a, a, some type of a hindrance of something. And you could basically manipulate what you're trying to teach to where it would fit them specifically. And that is to me, uh, it's a requisite for someone to teach anything, not, not just precision long range shooting, but, but anything you, you gotta be able to like, okay, here is your, um, uh, when you, uh, hindrance in doing this, we're going to do it this way. And then bam, that, that works like boom, Bob's your uncle. You got it. You know what I'm saying? And that that's important because, like you said, we're not we're not all shaped differently. And get, that also, again, I bring it up again, but that goes same thing with jujitsu. But it's be able to mold uh, your the technique to fit that person to where they can implement it just as good as someone else that may be built just like you. Right. So that you know, be able to relay that information and, and paint that picture for them is paramount. And, and I think both of you two do a good job of that. Well, I appreciate that too. Um, and it's something we really like, at least my perspective from uh, from being a teacher, that's really what I try to do is what what I, what I feel like we do is give people an opportunity to have an aha moment. Um, and Light once you give them the opportunity, yeah, once you give them the opportunity to have that aha moment then they are able to connect dots. And when they start connecting dots on them on their own, that's, that's a vital part of the learning process, right? That's committing a short-term memory to a long-term memory. Um, and, I mean, obviously, it's a very grand scheme of things, a grand scale of, of how we learn. Like, that's really what's happening is when we learn something, we commit it to memory, we're committing, we're converting a short-term memory. Um, which is basically process visual and audible and kinesthetic stimulus to long-term memory in the brain. So, yeah. David, you're, you're, you're breaking up a little bit. Your internet connection is breaking up a little bit. Y'all been frozen for a minute yeah. on the picture. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we just got, we just got throttled. Yeah. We got throttled. Verizon, Verizon ATT just hit me up. Yeah. Throttle. I, I think this this def, this, this definitely warrants a, a, a part two. This yeah. was this was fun. This I, was a blast. I, man. I, 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 we're definitely gonna do it again, and I would love to. Cause I wanna I wanna, I wanna touch base on on what you're talking about uh, with um you know before we talked about you might going down a hole of of uh, you know what makes a successful that match, even though if we don't play it, but you're talking about, um, you know, what you can control. And um, actually, when I was down in Texas, when I was hanging out with my buddy Corey, 
Um, that's exactly what we talked about in the far right down. And I, I, you know, he was like, all right, well, in our squad for that for the match, uh, Matthew Brousseau was in our squad, right? And my that knows that follows the, the competition knows Matty B. He's one of the, I mean, he's like, really like one of the top of the precision rifle community, right? Oh, yeah, he's a baller. And, uh, and, it's like, all right, well, I can't control what how Maddie shoots. But we talk about, okay, this is what I can control. This is what I want to work on when I go to the match. And I, I think that's what what uh, I would love to talk about in our next podcast of what our game plan, what we talk about. Hey, this is the things that I want to be able to focus on. And um, actually, you know, one of the things that I haven't done yet with Billy Kalen is, is debrief, you know, going into that match. Um, kind of my mindset and stuff like that. Because I've, I've, I've been struggling lately in terms of, like, performance and placement. Uh, and, and not and, and I don't think it's, it's due to actual um, uh, physical, you know, ability. It's more mental, right? And, and anyone at the higher echelon will tell you, like, yeah, it's all more mental, right? When you talk to guys like Tate Treater or Austin or Gain or even Matty Brousseau, I mean, they probably shoot. 25 to 50 rounds for a match just to make sure their guns are up, right? And they just show up and fucking cows because they, they know it's all more mental uh, than anything else. So, and that's oh, one it's thing gotta that be, I've, It's got to be a 90-10. It's got to be 90-10 mental to actual physical application, you know? Yeah, and that's something that we're, that's something, at least I mean personally, I'm starting to take a very, very, like, specific look into um, it's kind of cross-pollinating a couple of different uh, areas of study, which is which is really interesting to me too. So, man, I, I think we just have a tremendous amount to talk about, and and not only are we, you know having a great conversation, but it's fucking fun too. So uh, you're a fucking kick-ass dude to talk to. So you need to look at you need to look at. Uh... I'm gonna send you some links, bro. I'm gonna send you some links <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, of, of of some of my favorite bloggers, and it, it, and they're all in, in actually like the the videography filmmaking industry. Yeah, you don't have to put pick up a camera to do this, like, but I think what you will understand is just how like the, how able they're able to project their personality into whatever the fuck they're talking about, and I think that you would be the perfect candidate to do that for precision rifle. <laughs> because there, there, there's not there's not there's not much out there in terms of like like precision rifle that that have that right it's like you just get those those thuds that pick up a fucking pick up we a all, fucking we all rifle that, that that just unboss it and now they're they just took it to the range one time and and now it's the greatest thing since fucking soft bread right um those type of reviews and and it, like that's just outdated, right? And I, I I'll, I'm gonna send you some shit. And I, and I think even starting with your phone, you can, you could, I would watch that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I would totally watch that I'm shit. Just, man. I'm just, I'm you know, just, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be one like, fucking, what is David Baker? Yeah, I would be one today. of your first subscribers, bro. Oh shit! <laughs> like I don't, I'm not even on like social media anymore. Like I, I've, I've literally put the kibosh on everything social media. So it's like literally I'm on Sniper's Hide and that's it. I mean, I don't fuck with n- no social media anymore since Parlor got shit canned. Um yeah, but uh yeah, I you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to grow the podcast to 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 get it as as big as I possibly can, but you know, it's 
I don't know. I'm not the best, I guess, marketer. Um, and, um, yeah, but you know, it, regardless, I've said from day one about this podcast, if I've got five people listening to me, then I'm gonna fucking do it. <laughs> it's, I don't, it's fun for me. I love doing it. Even the solos when it's just me. Uh, I mean, I, like I said, I can talk to that fucking wall over here and, uh, it's, it's almost like therapy for me. Look, I can't tell you how many times I've got on a solo podcast and just vented because I was fuming about something that I saw in the news or one thing or the other. And I was like, you know what? If no one listens to it, I don't give a shit. I feel better by saying that. Whether no one listens to me or not. I, I, I verbalized it. I said it. I feel better. And uh, <laughs> so. Um, that shit out, man. Get it out. Yeah. And so I don't know. I mean, I, I've thought about doing the whole YouTube thing like with this podcast, like kind of tying the two together. But I just I don't know how well it'd be perceived for like just this view that you're seeing now. But I mean, maybe doing uh, uh, not YouTube. I'm not talking about YouTube. Like there's other ways of putting that shit out there. Well, YouTube's look, one of them, but there's other ways of putting that shit out there. Send me everything. Look, guys. Um, uh, you two have like a complete, like I told Jacob, you've got a complete retainer on this podcast. Whenever y'all want to come on, I'll drop whatever the fuck I'm doing and you guys are on and <laughs> we'll have to do like zoom or something like that. Uh, to get yeah. we'll, we'll have a, we'll have a better internet connection next time, dude. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do that. But, uh, guys, look, I know you guys, y'all are headed out tomorrow. Uh, Phil's taking off tomorrow. Um, I'm going to stick around here in Florida. I'm going to try to get some more skydives because it's cold as fuck where I live right now. And if the weather cooperates, I'll stay up here in DeLand and, and get some jumps. And then I'm going to fly home on Monday morning. You lucky bastard. You. It's been raining and cold every day for like a fucking week here. So. <laughs> well, I've got 18 inches of snow at my house right now. Man, oh, so. no. <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen more than eight inches of snow in my life. So, yeah. um, anyway, guys, like I said, you, you have a permanent retainer on this podcast. I appreciate you two coming on. Phil, if you want your goddamn trophies, you have to bring your little fucking Mexican ass over here and get them. <laughs> uh, uh, for I'll every, see you this year. <laughs> yeah. All right. Wait, 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 wait. For everybody who does not know, I have to tell a story. So I can't feel I can't remember if it was before or after you came here, but I was watching fucking the long range pursuit uh, show and uh, it was your episode and I got a looking at you and I was like, huh? And I texted you and I was like, has anyone ever told you you look like a Mexican Tiger Woods? Yeah. In, <laughs> this in is, your this response. Is, this is, yeah. So this is after yeah, you ahead, came. Go ahead, finish it. No, go ahead, finish it, finish it. <laughs> so, and you, to which your reply was, when I was in the Marine Corps, my nickname was El Tigre. Dog, <laughs> I fucking died. I, I, I farted. I laughed so hard. It was that fucking funny. That so, yeah, that, that was that was before I I came to see you the second time. The first time we met at the NRL match. And so it was before I came out there for the Guardian. Okay. I couldn't in, remember. In that That is hilarious. So every time, so everybody, anytime I text Phil or whatever, I always refer to him as El Tigre. 
<laughs> this is fucking great, man. This is this is the best. This was a great fucking podcast, dude. Yeah, we got to do this again. Hey, I appreciate you guys coming on, man, and can't wait to do it again, brother. Right on, man. Yeah, keep your face on the gun. Let me end this, and uh, y'all just stick around for one more second. Peace.